Romans 5, 1 through 11. We're going to focus in on verse 2, but I'm going to read that whole paragraph for you. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word to us. Well, relationships have a status at any given time. What is the status of your relationship with your parents or your spouse or your children, your best friends, your neighbors, or the IRS this week? We have a status in those relationships. We could go around the sanctuary here and ask about each individual here and the status of their relationship with you. Now you would find that your relationship with each individual here is varied and unique. You know, I don't know her. I'm close to him. Uh, the relationships between me and him is strained. We just don't like one another. There's lots of statuses. And those are just a few of the responses we might have. Every relationship has a status, a standing. Where do things stand between us? Now, in the verses before us today, Paul is concerned with our status or our standing with God, the most important relationship. The question before us today, before you today, is, what is the status of my relationship with God? Or, to put it another way, to ask the same question in another manner, where do things stand between God and me? Now, this particular question, the question of our relationship with God, is an important one, is the important question, because, of course, it affects your entire life and it affects your entire eternity. There is no corner of your life that is unaffected by the answer to that question. What is the status of your relationship with the Lord? Now, let me illustrate this. Now, both of my parents are dead, but I have step-parents because my parents were divorced and remarried before they died. 
Now, when I go over to my stepmother's house, whom I love dearly, I don't go to the front door. I go to the garage door, and I don't wait for her to answer the door, but I start knocking as I open the door, and I announce my presence, and I'm always welcomed in. I just walk right in there. And I do the same thing when I go to my in-law's home, which is saying a lot that they'll tolerate me that way. We have a close relationship, and I'm welcomed in when I visit. Now, each of you here today will be glad to know that I will never come to your door and just open it and, as I knock and announce my presence. Now, I'm close to you. Many of you are we're dear, dearly close, and you know a lot about me. But our relationship is not the same as my relationship with, with my stepmother or my relationship with Sarah's parents. We're family, and we do that sort of thing. Now, I have a friend who has an extremely strained relationship with his parents. He hardly speaks to them and rarely visits them. The status of the relationship changes his behavior from what it once was when he was younger and the relationship wasn't strained. Do you have a relationship with God? And what is the status of it? Do you know him? Do you feel comfortable going right into his presence? Or is that relationship strained? I want you to think about that as we break down verse 2, or at least the, the larger part of verse 2. We're not even going to get into all of verse 2. Think about that as we break down what it says here. Through him, that is Jesus Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Notice that I have entitled these sermons on five, uh, Romans 5, 1 through 11, the results of justification. There are no less than six results of justification delineated here for us in verses 1 through 11. Justification. What is it? Well, we have we went back a few weeks. We've explored that in some detail. But just to look at our catechism questions, which, which gives us a short, pithy answer, Shorter Catechism, question number 33, what is justification? Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So there's forgiveness of sins, there's acceptance of us as righteous in his sight, only because Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. And we receive that by faith alone. The end of chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Romans uh, explains to us that doctrine of justification in some detail. Now here in chapter 5, Paul begins lining out the results and implications for those who have been justified by faith in Christ. Verse 1 tells us that the justified have peace with God. The unjustified are at enmity with God. We see that in the later verses. They are at odds with God because they have broken his law, as Romans chapter 3 explains to us. God cannot welcome them in because he is, as Habakkuk says, of purer eyes than to see evil. 
and cannot look at wrong. God's justice, his righteousness, demands that sinners be punished. He is not at peace with those who are still in sin. But what Jesus has done for the justified is come to earth as a substitute, lived a perfect life for them, and died in their place for their sins. They are now at peace with God. There's no more enmity, verse 1 says. Now verse 2 follows on with that thought, pointing to the justified's change of status before God. They have obtained access by faith into this grace in which they stand. Now let's break this down into two parts. First, through Christ, believers have access into grace. And then secondly, through Christ, believers stand in grace. Now first, through Christ, believers have access into grace. This word translated access here is debated by Bible scholars. Now, I'll spare you all the grammatical details of the, that debate. The bottom line is that this word can be translated two ways. It can be translated access, as it is here, or in the other two places where it's used by Paul. Or, if you're looking at, say, the New American Standard, it can be translated as introduction. Access or introduction. Now, the debate doesn't change the meaning or significance of the verse. This is not a debate that changes the course of theology. They're both true. We have our introduction and our access into grace through Christ. Seeing the various meanings of the word, though, highlights for us the profundity of what is being said in this short little sentence, one that is easily just read over as you read verses 1 through 11. Imagine it this way. This is, this is a, a good illustration of what he's communicating here in this passage. Imagine you live in a kingdom and you are an enemy of the king because you are a criminal. You dare not come before the king. You, you wouldn't dare come into his presence for fear of his just punishment. But through the activities of the king's son on your behalf, you are pardoned from your criminal activities and the guilt of them. And you have been brought before the king and introduced there by the son. And you now have free access to the king. You are warmly welcomed and received by the king because of the son's advocacy on your behalf. You have his favor. You can come right up to the king anytime you want and ask him anything and he will most gladly receive your request and work on your behalf according to his wisdom and power. He doesn't always do exactly what you want, but he always acts in your best interests. That is what is meant by having an introduction and access into this grace. The believer's relationship with God is one of grace, undeserved favor. Believers in Christ exist in the sphere of God's grace. Through Christ, believers have a privileged, 
position of acceptance by God. The status of the relationship, the standing of it, went from estrangement from God to being graciously received by God and welcomed by God. Now to look at it in a little different way, Paul highlights this change of relationship status in the next chapter, in chapter 6, verse 14. He just mentions a, a small little phrase. He says that believers are not under law, but they're under grace. He's saying the same thing here about the change of status in the relationship. Outside of Christ, God relates to humans as under the law. He is the judge, and we are the lawbreakers. We have all sinned. All people can look forward to from that relationship with God under the law is his just wrath on account of sin. But a person who is united to Christ by faith, God relates to them under grace. His impulse towards believers is not justice because justice has been satisfied by Christ. Rather, his impulse towards believers is gracious. The status of the relationship is radically changed. He looks at believers with favor, with acceptance, with welcome, with love. Now, Paul uses this word three times. It's the only three times that it's used in the Bible, the verb form that's used here. And the other two are in Ephesians. We read one already in our assurance of pardon, verse 2, uh, 18 of Ephesians. Through Jesus, we, both Jews and Gentiles, have access in one spirit to the Father. And then in the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 12, Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We can come right in through Christ. We don't have to knock too hard. We don't have to hesitate. We can come confidently in before God the Father because of what Christ has done. Do you know this freedom and access to God? Are you confident before Him through Jesus Christ? Of course, we can't have confidence in ourselves before God because of what Paul says in Romans 3, 23 and following, because all have sinned and, and fall short of the glory of God but are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Do you know this freedom and access to God? Are you living in light of that? Is that your relationship status with the Lord? But there's more here. Secondly, not only do believers have access into a relationship of grace with God, they also stand in grace. John Stott in his commentary explains this clearly. He says, Justified believers enjoy a blessing far greater than a periodic approach to God or an occasional audience with the king we are privileged to live in the temple and palace. Our relationship with God into which justification has brought us 
is not sporadic, but continuous. Not precarious, but secure. We do not fall in and out of grace like courtiers who may find themselves in and out of favor with their sovereign or politicians with the public. No, we stand in it, for that is the nature of grace. Nothing can separate us from God's love. This brings us to another doctrine that underlies and girds up what Paul is saying here in verse 2, and that is adoption. The favor bestowed on believers goes beyond being merely a friend of God, welcomed into his presence, but rather, and more deeply, believers are adopted by God. Believers are children of God. Now, my children do not have to knock on the door to enter our house. Thinking about changing the locks, but you can't do that right now. They live there. They're welcome there. Yes, I may complain about a couple of adult children living at home, but that complaint is more about me wanting them to flourish than them inconveniencing me or mooching off me. I love them, and they're always welcome in my home. And they're always welcome to leave. I am a sinner after all. But if I'm that way, a sinful father, and I love my children, and I welcome them in, how much more will believers be welcomed by a perfectly loving Heavenly Father? Our status has been changed. We're not just friends of God. We're His children. And he welcomes us into his presence through faith in Christ. And that status and standing of being adopted into his family is permanent. It's a permanent thing. The papers have gone through. We've been adopted. We're his children. And nothing can change that. The question is, do you enjoy this standing, this status before God? Are you assured that you are a child of God today? If not, turn to Christ to save you from your sins, from being under the law, from the righteous indignation of the judge. The Bible tells us that anyone who calls upon the Lord will be saved and be welcomed into the family of God. When we forget this truth, when we forget our status uh, as children of God, welcomed having access and freedom and not under law but under grace and that he, he is favorably disposed to us, well, it changes the way we live. It changes how we feel about ourselves. It, it draws us into prayer. It draws us into obedience because we want to please our Heavenly Father. We don't have to, to do it to earn his favor. We do it because we have his favor. You think about any relationship that you desire. Maybe your spouse when you first started dating. Maybe your children as they've grown older, maybe moved away. You long to be in their presence. You want to interact with them. You want to have that relationship and see it flourish and grow and become greater. Now, as we think about what the Lord has done for us in Christ, shouldn't that be the way we think about it. We, we want to be 
uh, spending time with the Lord in prayer, in, in His Word. We want to obey Him, to bring honor to Him, to, to bring honor to the family name. We're not trying to earn His favor. We have His favor. We're welcomed in. And when we do sin, you know, we can act like Adam and Eve. You know, when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did they do? They hid from God. They pulled away from God. They were ashamed. Now, sometimes when we sin, we feel the same way. Even as believers, we fall into sin, and, and our tendency is to pull back. But we shouldn't do that. We should run to him because the way has been opened for us to be welcomed back in. Turn from your sin. Cry out to Christ. Turn back to the Lord. Repent, just like the prodigal son. Remember how he was received? When he saw the error of his ways, he went off and squandered the inheritance that he had been given in foul living. But he came back home, and the father ran out to meet him. He was coming with the intention of just becoming one of the servants, not even to be welcomed back into the family. But the father ran to him and put a robe on him and a ring on his finger, which showed that the status had not changed. He was welcomed back as a son and put on the robes. And that's what Christ will do for us if we return to him. Don't draw back. Stand there. That's your standing, your relationship. Live in light of that standing if you are a believer in Christ. If not, well, the Father still would welcome. He's, he welcomes sinners. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I, I encourage you. I exhort you to, to cry out to Christ and he will welcome you in and you will know what it is to have access an introduction and access to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we do thank you for the wonderful truths in this passage. And Lord, thank you for the grace that is shown to us here, how you are so favorably disposed to sinners such as we are. Lord, for Anyone here today, I pray, that who doesn't know you, who doesn't think that that relationship, they've ever had that kind of relationship with you, I pray, Lord, that today that they would call upon you, that you would reveal yourself to them. Grant them repentance and faith. May they put their trust in Christ. And for those of us, Lord, who have fallen into sin, which is too often the case for Christians, Lord, grant us repentance as well. Help us to, once again, know the joy of salvation and, once again, bear fruit of the Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.